Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Uh, you know, how dare he? <laughs> that was my holy grail. You never asked for it. I, well, because I've never found a trailer. Well, now I have. Uh, you guys know Silent Partner, Elliot Gould? What is that? The Silent Partner. Canadian. Elliot Gould oh. from the late 70s, written by Curtis Hansen. Fucking oh, no, amazing thriller. No, I've never seen it. It's really good. Finally coming out on Blu-ray. It's been really hard to find. Yeah, and Christopher Plummer as this deeply, deeply disturbing bank robber slash murderer who wears too much eyeliner. And dresses as Santa Claus. Dresses as a silent partner. It's an amazing film. So thanks again for uh, having us... Uh us out here and on your show we're all we're really looking forward to tomorrow night and yeah, we're actually well, what do you suppose is going to happen tomorrow night <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna watch the movie and yeah. hopefully uh, have a discussion with you uh, uh about it okay so we're gonna actually we're, we fill are... up an hour with a discussion of that movie oh. <laughs> we're gonna try <laughs> i suspect they can yeah uh, we are actually going to stay in tonight and uh, watch it again and uh, take some notes to uh to prepare for tomorrow oh, wow. night yeah well, then at least you can come late to the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will be seeing it again in the theater all the way through. I haven't seen it in years, but I've always maintained it's like the New Age Network. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, or the New Age Network. <laughs> or the Network for a New Age. Well, yeah, the people forget how many people. I mean, it wasn't not to, not to take away from the achievement, but, you know, people have been bagging on Trump for years, but somehow. It was still news to the majority of the populace that he was this. Well, no, he was the he was a media created icon, mm-hmm. you know, and he he was playing a role, which he is still doing for decades. Uh, but but he was he has has the substance of a sneeze. I mean, he's, yeah. he's there's there's nothing to him, you know, except what you see. But it's just astonishing how long, if you'd been on the East Coast, you were aware of this guy, and then to find. Yeah, you know all these people in the hinterlands, or you know out west, who are like, well because of the legend. They knew the legend the TV was show. that he was this rich guy, and then Mark uh, Burnett is believe yeah. me, all of all of our nation's ills can be laid <laughs> yeah. at the feet the, of Mark Burnett. So he's the Lenny Riefenstahl of uh, America. <laughs> exactly, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. It's uh, um, are we good? We're rolling because because the thing. Oh, so yeah, so Matt the uh, uh, Matt. Blindsided me the other day with the assertion that uh, Alfred Molina in Boogie Nights is the single greatest performance by someone who's only in one scene in a movie. <laughs> I mean, that was the one that came to mind, and I was having a hard time thinking of anyone. Oh, I thought this was something you had thought about for a while. So this was just a spontaneous. It was probably. I don't think I. Oh, okay. Because because I, uh, uh, I, I had a I had a couple. Ju- of didn't Judy Dench won an Academy Award for being in only one scene. No, no, Shakespeare um, love. Oh, Shakespeare! Oh, I don't know. Oh no, it's uh, Vanessa Redgrave is in only one scene in uh, Atonement, and she was nominated That's right, for an Oscar. Because she plays the that, young, yeah. right, and Beatrice Strait. Beatrice Strait, but she uh, Beatrice Strait in the movie. Well, no, she's actually that's true. She's a couple I, I, scenes, but network. I mean, that was my. So I was going to build up to it, but you've got, you've got. Uh, oh, I know. Mark Rydell. Oh, Mark Rydell in the Long Goodbye. Is fucking yeah, terrifying. That's good. Oh, and, right. And if Amber yeah. were here, she'd, she'd back me more, up because we talked about That's more than this. one scene. He's only got one scene, doesn't he? 
No, he's got. Well, I felt uh, deeply ashamed afterwards on the way home because this 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 cut me personally. We even talked about it. I, I got to go with my boy Bill Hart. He's only got one scene. Oh, History right, of Violence, of, which he is, was Academy Award nominated for Academy that. Award nominated well, for that. Yeah. But but the winners, the ones that are just objectively the greatest. I, I definitely know what you're gonna say. Well, first, yeah, you know where you know where I'm going. But yeah, the, yeah. the next to the greatest has got to be Dean Stockwell in Blue Velvet. Oh yeah, but he's in more than one scene. He's only one scene. No, he's in more than he's there. He's lingering around, and he's there. He does. <laughs> okay, well, fine. Well, the the, the winner is uh, there's uh, this one is unequivocal. <laughs> obviously, you know where I'm going. Ned Beatty Network. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the man explains the world. No, no, that, three and minutes. that's and that scene is not dated. And that is yeah, that that, <laughs> that you could write it today. Uh, yeah, no, that would be in the kind. Ooh, that's tough. They're, yeah, it's very they're very different things. Like one is literally one shot. The other is all over the place. Like, you know, one's very kind of personal and emotional and the other is more. Yeah. The, but uh, the other is if yeah. you need to explain the entire universe to an alien who just got here and you have three minutes to do it. <laughs> you would go Alfred Molina at the end of Boogie Nights. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. You know, how, all right, think of the, the house as Earth. And there's one guy with all the money and he's insane and firing guns off. That's America. <laughs> You've pretty much done it. And then there's America and then there's Cosmo. He's the Chinese. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Shit. And everyone else Shit. is stuck on the he's couch just like, and yeah. they're waiting to see what he's going to do. Uh, I'm too much of a literalist. Um, well, we are. Uh, shall we, should, we wanna, should we jump in? Uh, we've sure. already jumped in. Yeah. Well, this is what we, yeah, we do. We we just we just talk we do a little and prefix we, and then we know. segue in. We usually. Uh, oh my god, I was just listening to Ileana Douglas's again, and and she's 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 been on twice, and both times I've had to cut the majority of our sort of warming up chatter because she just says stuff that you can't put out. <laughs> uh, which is, and it's all good. There's a great story about her grandmother, but it involves an actor that everybody knows that she hates. And it's just it's like, oh god, damn it. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Welcome. We are, we are joined this week by um, Will Meneker and Matt Chrisman of uh, podcasts that we're hoping will get a little more attention after coming on our show <laughs> um, from Chapo Trap House. Uh, we are thrilled to have you guys. Uh, um, I'm a gigantic fan of the show. Thank uh, you so much for having us. Yes, here. thank you very much. And um, we're also this will be airing long after that, so there's no point in plugging. But also, I think it might be sold out too. But tomorrow night, uh, you guys are going to be doing um, a special screening at the American Cinematheque of uh, a movie I like to call Our Generation's Network, uh, Gremlins 2, with uh, my co-host, Joe Dante. And uh, I bet that's for your podcast, right? Uh, well, yeah, we're going to record it? the yeah. discussion as well, okay. but you know, mainly we just uh, we want to screen the movie. Just love to have <laughs> talk to you about it. Yeah, accused to see Gremlins. They too. literally, I mean, has it? They literally flew out here. I mean, they're doing this because well, they're no, here. They, you know, all the other stuff it, they're doing it is, is a different here. movie with an audience than it oh, is yeah. just watching it. That's all comedies are. But movie. they came here from uh, these guys are from New York City, mm -hmm. and you came here to do this. Absolutely, not this. That <laughs> <clears throat> this is the price they pay for doing that. It was like yes. Um, and I don't, I don't want I want you to describe your topic because it was so perfect for, I just, I love it in general and it's great for you guys, but you were going to talk about. Okay. So, uh, like my, my sister, this were 
like we have curated a selection of movies that you know uh, we enjoy very much. It's very hard to say. Are these good movies? Are they bad movies? I don't know. It's sort of both, but they're all very important, enjoyable movies. Yes. You know, they're they're very we, they mean a lot to us. And these are five movies that espouse and embody um, in their various ways um, an insane and reactionary point of view to varying degrees, but we still love them. So yeah. it's sort of like we're going against type here. Yes. Talk about sort of uh, right wing uh, films. So, and so movies. good movies with yeah, yeah, exactly. good movies with shit politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like they're, they're, it, that are right wing in various different ways. Yeah. So maybe a couple of them are unexpected. Well, there but, are so many ways to be right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, I mean, when I was younger, I didn't think it was such a panoply of abilities to be right wing. It's just so many aspects of <laughs> yeah. right wing. As we as we as uh, as this show is going on the air, of course the, the new abortion law has been uh, uh, signed in um, or is going to be signed uh, in uh, in Alabama and uh, it's a, a, a direct attempt after all these years to try to try to get that pesky law gotten you know changed uh, by the Supreme Court which mm-hmm. now of course is right wing. So, you know, you just it's it's you just follow all the roads and they lead to right wingism. <laughs> They're almost that they're at their almost at their checkmate uh, point with uh, these abortion laws. That's yeah. for sure. We'll see what happens. I mean, with who that. would have thought when we're all sitting around loving Forrest Gump? That it actually, I'm, I'm kidding. We, we <laughs> bag that, on Forrest Gump. Was that you? Was no, that was you. You're, you're pretty. You're pretty harsh on that movie. I uh, don't like it. I try never to speak <laughs> ill of movies <laughs> on the show. <laughs> you can't speak ill of movies made by your friends. That's or right. People you know personally. That's, that, that's true. difficult. That is true. Although, although I've I've uh, uh, long digression about Batman Returns, but it's all right. So, uh, but before we get into like the movies we've uh, selected and, and sort of doing research for this, just to refresh our memories, we were <laughs> googling like you know uh, right wing movies or reactionary films, and I came across a list that is curated on the website Conservapedia. That is like Wikipedia. Oh, I remember for, when they started that? Yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. A Wikipedia it was, for conservatives. It was founded by Phyllis Schlafly's fail son. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? The, Steve Schlafly. Todd Schlafly. Todd I don't know. <laughs> I think it might be Todd. And he founded this thing. It's like, it's a it's a crowdsourced conservative encyclopedia where it's all the issues are, are it's like whatever they want to write about, and they give you like a definition of it, but only from their point of view. It's like That's yeah, it's like I they want it was created. And it looks exactly like Wikipedia, but it was created to counter the liberal bias right, of the right. sort of, of Wikipedia. Uh, facts. open source. <laughs> facts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> facts are stubborn. <laughs> so we were looking through like, and like they, there's a list of like, here are like the best, uh, you know, here are like the t- all the, the best conservative movies. And like they list the movie, the year is made and it's box office, but then they give like a brief description of the plot and a justification for why it counts as a conservative movie, which is very interesting because the criteria is like, what they choose, it's it's just, you can clearly tell they're reverse engineering all their favorite movies and deciding it's conservative retroactively. And the one that jumps out to my mind is they have Chinatown on there. And their explanation for why Chinatown is on there, and they're like, you know, about, yeah, uh, you know, uh, the <laughs> control of, uh, you know, water from the, you know, in, into LA by, the, you know, the evil John privatizing, Houston, yeah, privatizing uh, water sources. But the, the real reason they say it's a conservative masterpiece is because of the uh, racist joke that Jake Giddies <laughs> tells about um, Chinaman. And it's just that just for that, and then he repeats the joke twice, and his friends like it because he's not afraid to not be politically correct. So exactly. wait a minute. So they're they're basically stating that racism is a conservative value. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Has I mean, that ever well, no, been they, in contention? They usually lie about that. I think the way they would say it is they say, no, it's not that we could racism. It's that he feels free to make a joke. 
Yeah. And he doesn't feel like he's going to do what the PC police tell him to do. Exactly. Yeah, because the PC police were deeply active and, and, in the 40s. In the 1930s, <laughs> 1930s LA, yeah. And, and that being a fairly minor part of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. Oh, That's enough to get the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Forget it, Jake. It's a problematic joke. <laughs> but, uh, but what's funny about that is, that, but yes. Chinatown is that like the actual big part of the plot is like John Houston's character to me embodies like the true face of like yep. evil in the modern world that like capitalism sure. just knows no limits morally or otherwise. No, he's like, yeah, capitalism exactly. personified. The future, yeah. Mister Gates. Yeah, yeah. You and, fuck your own daughter. I mean, it's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ugh. the other really funny one, there's there's a couple good ones. The other really funny one was uh, Ace Ventura, pet detective, because it said he was uh, he loved animals but wasn't an animal rights activist. But sure. also sure. the whole Sean Young, uh, where, where she's actually a man, was like uh, they they said like he 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 reacts to finding that out by throwing up and screaming, which is okay. normal. And good, and that's a that that's why that movie that upholds film. conservative values. Boy, there, because... must, there must be a lot of movies on this site. Then. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's I. That's pretty impressive. The Chinatown one is the one that really that's that's uh, impressive. I you were my too before. We, I, I I want to toot my own horn a little bit. I'm I'm genuinely proud of the fact that um, I think my favorite review of History of Violence was a five star review in Christianity Today, which <laughs> if you look it up, completely got what we were doing. Oh, totally acknowledges that neither Cronenberg nor myself, they're almost certainly atheists, they said, and and goes about dissecting the film and its essential, you know, Christian heart. And I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, that's all there. Not to necessarily no, point no, all Christians with concern. No, 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 I remember they, they used to, the, the, the Catholics used to put out a newsletter uh, in the 60s, I think. And and uh, I was really surprised to read some of the um the criticisms because they were, I mean, they were doctrinaire about certain things, but they were, they were pretty smart. Psycho shows among what the, really among the you best. don't honor your mother. It's a wonderful. <laughs> 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 no, speaking of the, the Catholic newsletter, I remember reading about that and someone said they would, there's like three grades for a, a movie. Like one was like acceptable, unacceptable. And the third one was, if you see it, your mortal soul is yes. in danger. Condemned. Like, condemned. Condemned. Yeah. condemned. And uh, yes. the one uh, that they, the, the only movie they saw that was on the condemned list, what was the name of it? It was uh, the Billy Wilder movie with Dean Martin. Kiss Me Stupid. Kiss Me Stupid. Kiss me stupid. Yeah, yeah. Because that was like a whole wife swapping plot yeah. in that movie with, uh, was it the principal from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Or the, the Ray Walston. Ray Walston. Ray Walston. Yeah, but yeah. That, that movie was so controversial that the United Artists didn't release it under their own name. They, they put it out through a subsidiary, Lopert Films, because they didn't want to be associated with it because it was considered so raunchy. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it runs on Turner Classic Movies now, uncut. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got to say that I, I'm starting to worry for my soul then. <laughs> if that's all it took, yeah. I mean, unless there's some sort of inflation going on, and they like give you credit for that you live in different times. Like, what, what did they make of some like hot then? For God's sake, um, dressed as women. That, well, there was. Uh, I think "Kiss Me Stupid" it goes out of its way to be as crass as possible, and I, and uh, you know, someone like it hot doesn't. And like in "Kiss Me Stupid," like it's not. On screen, but like in the plot of the movie, like they definitely have sex with each other's. Yeah, like, right. like, like uh, Walston has has sex with a prostitute, and then Dean Martin sleeps with his wife. But I mean, something like it hot ends famously with Jack Lemmon basically taking off to marry a guy. But that's so, I mean, it. But that's just a little joke. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've wondered about people the have no sense of humor. <laughs> How long can he keep up the charade? But uh, yeah, well, do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah. 
Let's uh, here, Matt. Why don't you kick us off with uh, the first one, which uh, I think maybe maybe surprising to some people. Okay, but... uh, this is a movie. This is definitely the most formative film for me in terms of one that I can identify as sort of being reactionary, uh, but also something that was formative for my like sense of humor and stuff. And that is Ghostbusters. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do. They're mean. You have. They're here. A movie I saw uh, when I was a kid and then saw a million times, sort of got engraved in my head. Right. Yeah. But who's the villain? Uh, yeah, the the villain of the film is the Environmental Protection Agency. No, uh, bastards. Which uh, this and remember, this is during the Reagan years, so this is a time when it was being actively undermined by. I think his name was James Watt or something mm-hmm. like that. But, yeah. uh, uh, he was the guy who said, what's the point in preserving the environment? Like, the rapture's going to happen in a generation. Exa- yes, so that who guy. cares? Yeah. yeah. And so, and then there's this movie going, ah, oh, this buzzkill. We're just trying to catch some ghosts over here. <laughs> You're infringing on the small business. Yeah, Ghost, <laughs> Ghostbusters is, is small business propaganda. And what I like about it is obviously the Ghostbusters are, uh, you know, when you see it as a kid, and even now they're very charming. Uh, we all we all relate to, you know, the slacker ethos of uh, Pete Venkman. But like, even before they become Ghostbusting, they're shown to be like uh, fraud academics who are literally torturing a guy to get his girlfriend's number. Yes. <laughs> and if that, that, th- that very first scene with Peter with Venkman yes. is something that would get him justly fired at any school. And if he wasn't, it would be a scandal. And it would be like, I don't even think... You know, like PC police have gone too far, or like Me Too critic would be like, "No, it's okay that he did that. That he tortured that guy to date his girlfriend." <laughs> but but when they when they set up their their ghost busting uh, small business, it would be a perfect example of something I really would like the government to take a close look at regulating, or just I just want someone making sure that this is all above board here. Yeah. Well, they do have nuclear reactors, don't <laughs> yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they even say it like when the first time they go to the hotel, they're like, "Yeah, we all just have an unlicensed unlicensed particle accelerator." <laughs> and then when they turn it on, and then they all step into the corner to be away from the the back when they turn on yeah, rays, the, the, and then yeah. they all go away because it sounds so ominous. They're just unleashing that on the public. And yeah, it was the the, the asshole EPA yeah. guy who tries to shut them down. Yep. Uh, I think you know the actually the unsung hero of that movie <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, trying to get some sort of regulations here. But also the uh, the hilarious thing about uh, Ghostbusters is that like at no at no point in the movie is it just acknowledged that like oh like they've proven the afterlife is real <laughs> and that ghosts exist and demonstrated it on like a global worldwide level. Yeah, and everyone just sort of accepts that and moves on. Right, you know, like the the. The, the religious philosophical implications of that are sort of skated over. Suicide cult. Well, the funny yeah. thing about that for me is that so that's the movie. It's like yeah, everyone just saw a transdimensional deity come to Earth, uh, and then the ne- but the next movie they get arrested and they go to trial in front of Harris Eulin is the judge, and he goes at the beginning of the trial he goes, all right, they're they're on trial for like trying to investigate the slime that's underneath the city. And uh, and he goes, I don't want to hear anything in this t- in this courtroom about ghosts or goblins. I don't believe in them. <laughs> and it's like he, that's supposed to look like he's just a hard nosed realist, but it's like this is the world that just had the giant gozer attack. <laughs> like he's basically the equivalent of like a flat Earth, flat Earth guy. Yeah, like, he's exactly. a maniac. 
He's like a guy in our world was a judge was like, all right, first we'll be admitting spectral evidence. He's like the version of that for that world, but everyone's like, yeah, he's just a hard ass. Cotton Mather. It's like, no, yeah. he's a maniac. He's he's denied what happened right in front of him. And the villain in Ghostbusters 2 is like the, the mayor's aide. Yes. Again, it's like a, it's it's government it's yep. a regulation is yep. shutting down the, the ghost busting yep. and uh, you know inaugurating the apocalypse. Yeah. So No, yeah. but the guy who plays uh Walter Peck. Uh, oh, what's his name? He was like the face of like the liberal, the bad, the bad parts of like the liberal state. Wait, am I or, like, the is it, media. Is it Fitch? It's not Fitchner. No, Fitchner? no. William something. William Atherton. William Atherton. Yes, Atherton. Who also plays the, the the go with it. The in Die Hard. Yes, he's he the, is, the shitty journalist. Well, yeah, Walter Peck. Hadn't even thought and of then, that. Yes. Uh, he's, yes. uh, He's Dick Thornburg in Die Hard. He's the it's the media and like the government bureaucracy. It's everybody that like the the Nixon uh, silent majority was against. Yeah, and goes he's victimizing small businesses yep. in Ghostbusters, and then and, cops and, trying and to do their job. Hero cops, cops. Job. yeah, hero cops on their wives. Are you guys? If if you say yes, I'll cut this over. But are, are, is stripes on your list? I can't imagine. Oh no, it's not. But we can talk about stripes. I love no, stripes. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I you, love stripes. Wait, have you seen stripes recently? Not recently, but we had. Have I told you this story? This is so. I have to. Well, not on, not on the air. Not on the air. <laughs> so so a while ago, uh, um, friends of mine and former guests on our show, uh, Dan Waters, wrote Heather's, uh, Adam Rifkin, who did the last movie star and a million other great films, the Kiss movie. Um, we we decided to watch Stripes because I had always maintained, having seen them in theaters, that Stripes was the better movie. That you didn't need a hundred billion dollars to make these guys funny. That was my problem with Ghostbusters. And and we got the Blu-ray. We went to my place. We threw it up in the big screen. Adam brought a friend who was younger who had never seen it. We're like, oh my god, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. This thing is. You like Ghostbusters? It's terrible. <laughs> It's so bad. There's, there's no jokes. They're in so the last lazy. Half of it. There's, I'm not sure. There's, there's attempts, I guess. It's mostly them walking around. Literally, every scene is Bill Murray going, eh, "I didn't read the script. Eh, fuck you." <laughs> and what's amazing to me, because I would argue that my worldview has gotten even further to the left than it was when I saw that movie. Literally, the only character I feel anything for, that I have any sympathy for, whose plight I feel for. Is Warren Oates. Yes, the drill instructor who <laughs> has to whip these losers into shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't watch it; it will shatter your. Illusions. Well, I, I remember like seeing it like when they're in boot camp. I remember it being funny, and there was like goofs and things. And then Matt's right; like the entire second half of the movie, they get what they get deployed to like Europe, and there's that like military RV and experimental and then they get followed by their unit who gets who accidentally goes into Czechoslovakia and gets captured by the, the by the Warsaw Pact and then they have to break in and rescue them and the whole last hour almost like half an hour is just them shooting it out with the with the Czechoslovakian army but it's, yeah, it's the no blue thunder of RVs there's no, yeah, <laughs> there's no joke but it's it's just not good it's so not good well so burst uh, some bubbles there sorry <laughs> we're getting we're getting pretty, we're getting pretty controversial yeah, that's right. on this pod <laughs> Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, so uh, my next, the next movie we picked is like, okay, this is if Ghostbusters is like maybe you know, you know, shaggy and like a conservative and kind of a. I don't know a, a boutique kind of way that maybe is on first blush. You could you could miss the almost, an, anti-regulation. Intentional, yeah, exactly. Just, like it's sort of by accident right. that the, you know that they sort made of that national lampoon like anti anti-authority and somebody yeah. establishment. Yeah, let's make it the EPA. They'll be funny yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, a scattershot anti-authority that just like if you flip a coin, it just happens to land yeah, right. on like the side of state regulation. Right. Uh, okay. The, the next one, unmistakably, probably. Probably the most fascist film made since Triumph of the Will, and intentionally so. Death Wish 3. New York, a city pushed to the edge. People pushed to the limit, and no one's got the guts to stop them. It's collection time, Charlie. Three murders, four rapes, nine acts of random violence. This isn't a neighborhood, it's a war. But there is one way, one man who won't be pushed, Charles Bronson. What's the problem? Now you're going to die. Not even the first one, but it was the same director, uh, Michael Winner. He Michael took a break Winner. on the second one and then That's came right. back for the third one. And I believe Michael Winner has even said that my politics are to the right of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. And usually, when right, you say that, they say, oh, my politics are to the right of Genghis Khan or something, or Attila the Hun. And it was just like, well, what were their politics yeah, right. other than just killing a ton of people? <laughs> so, this Michael. Was the, uh, what, the 1986 canon one right yes, yes. Is that, oh, it, oh, God. It's, it's, it reeks canon. it reeks of canon oh it's maybe the most it's maybe the prototypical uh canon film and you know, well, Josh yeah. ought to know because he's an expert. I, I started my career at Canada. Oh, oh, oh my God! When you, Some when would I, say ended. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when you see that Canon logo oh. on a VHS, that oh, is a, it's a mark oh. of quality, and also of uh, insane fascist politics <laughs> yeah. in a movie. No, I mean, my literally my first job was on Masters of the Universe. Oh my God. <laughs> So, Frank Langella but really I saw went for that. It. That was the year I was working on that. The year I was out here, and I saw Death Wish three in a theater in Torrance. It was the first time I'd ever been to Torrance, and for some reason, yeah, yes. But you're going. But this is not a good movie. I mean, no, it's a it's a bad movie, but it's one I still love <laughs> it's dearly. Very, very like I have a kind of like a psychotic enjoyment of watching it. Um, yeah, bad movie, but um, intensely enjoyable. Or like for some weird reason, I I really love it. Despite despite myself, um, because it's like, you know, uh, the, the original Death Wish is obviously the kind of like late 70s, early 80s, like, you know, oh, like, oh, a liberal gets mugged by reality and then right. it kills his wife and then he goes insane. Death Wish 3 just takes that, like throws out any pretense of like vague psychological realism or whatever, because like the interesting thing about the first Death Wish is that like the guys who kill his family get away. Right. 
Like it's they're never seen again at all, and it's just about him dealing with this trauma. Well, and they were also that classic. I think the third one does this too. There's that great thing in movies for decades where all the gangs were multiracial. Yes. Oh yeah. And the leader of the gang in Death Wish Three is like oh, looks like guy. he's like a ball, like he's a, like a white yes. guy named Fraker who leads a multi-ethnic street gang in some ruined neighborhood in the South Bronx or East New York. Only inhabited by little old Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's also like 40 years old. Yeah, he's a (laughs) 40-year-old white guy who's bald, and he's got a red streak streak in his head, but you could totally imagine that if you took that off, he would look like a realtor or something. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a gang that like wears like face paint, like... like, I don't know, like uh, the Warriors or something. Like when gangs would dress like Native Americans, I guess. Um, but yeah, Death Wish Three is like is the most insane fascist movie. Like, it is just about like so. Uh, Charles Bronson character comes home back to New York City to visit his friend, his like Korean War buddy who lives Martin in Balsam. yeah, uh, uh, who live like who lives in some you know uh, the one nice building left in this like you know crime ridden uh, slum. And yeah, they're all like nice little old Jewish couples who are being uh, mugged and victimized all the time by street toughs. But they're also making him Kreplaws, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like the big line in Death Wish 3 is lovely Kreplaws, Mr. Goldstein. <laughs> yeah, they cook him a nice home-cooked meal. Um, but then, you know, Bronson takes his uh, Paul Kersey um, uh, homicidal rage and applies it to cleaning up this neighborhood, which involves basically... Um, uh, entrapping, uh, like he just leaves a car out and just waits for someone to try to steal it and then just kills them and just kills them. And his most blazing provocation you say that doesn't is, work? He, he walks down the street with very uh, casually flapping sort of a purse over his shoulder, like yes. a man purse. Yes. And then a one of the street gang toughs grabs it and runs away. He's running away from him. And with him running way far away, he just calmly pulls a giant pan gun out of his pet jacket and just blows him away in front of dozens of people on the street, and they all spontaneously begin applauding. They're well, all like, enough. he did it. Yeah, it's like, you did it, and everyone's happy about it. It's like, oh, yeah. And then, of course, that inspires the other most famous line from this movie is that that character's name was the Giggler, apparently. <laughs> uh, and they cut to their gang headquarters, and one guy goes, he got killed the Giggler, man. They had no right. They had no right to kill the Giggler. And this is the leader of the gang, which has already been shown, um, like, killing and raping, like, at least half a dozen people. And then when they um, kill one of the... Yeah, he goes, they had no right to do that, man. No right. They had no, no right, right at all. But the interesting thing is, uh, more explicitly correct. in Death Wish 3 than the original one, where the police are investigating him, and it's sort of like, they kind of let him go at the end. Yeah. But he says, like, you know, you better get out of town. Like, uh, I'm the law here. But in Death Wish 3, it's explicitly the police chief of this uh, horrible precinct, played by Ed Lauder, yep. by the end yes. of the movie, explicitly joins Joining Bronson yeah. in a all-out turkey shoot. Where the last, this is why I really love Death Wish 3, because like the last 20 minutes to a half an hour of this movie is just a deliriously insane shootout where this neighborhood just turns into a war zone. And it's just Bronson walking around with a 50 caliber machine, Korean War era. 50 caliber machine gun just spraying crowds Belt of people fed. yeah <laughs> he's got a guy with him holding his ammo because yeah. it's a belt fed machine gun that's supposed to be attached to a jeep or something and he's just holding it. he's a, he was like 60 at that point <laughs> yeah but he's bronson he was like he was, bronson is a tough guy yeah doesn't he have a bazooka too or yes he does have a bazooka he shoots a craker with 
Fraker with the bazooka at the end. Uh, we were actually we were talking about this the other day. Uh, like in in eighties movies, like everything had to have a bazooka. Oh yeah, you had to have a bazooka. Like there are tons of guns, but guns are just small bazookas. Right. Like if you shoot someone with a gun, they'll just keep going at you. Bazooka gets the job done. It does. Just shoot one person with a, <laughs> <laughs> a missile. I gotta. You must have. You seen Punisher Warzone. Yeah, of course. He's yeah. got the greatest oh, yeah. use of a bazooka. And if you remember, there's a there's a really annoying bad guy who's doing parkour. Yeah, in between and he bazookas it. him in mid flip. <laughs> so, but what what Michael Winner was? He did some good stuff. I mean, Night Hardly Colors, Shadows Land. Uh, uh, the mechanic is a great. I'm not a Death Wish fan, but the mechanic. I'm I'm not a Michael Winner fan. Nothing. There's well, no, I like. Uh, I I'll, I never. I'll never forget it. What's his name is not bad. Yeah. Um, but there was just some, there was something, uh, particularly after Death Wish. I mean, yeah. he just took a, well, a yeah. nosedive, and he also made the Nightcomers, which is one of the absolute worst pictures that Brando ever made. Uh, and it's I'm supposed to be a prequel to The Innocents, right, and it is right. like it's it, 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 on another planet, maybe. Uh, and it's that's the one where he he puts the cigar in the frog and he blows him up. I've actually never, but I did just order the Blu-ray, which is kind of one, one of the most <laughs> disgusting movies I've ever seen. It's horrible. Wow, I'm ordering two. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, De Death Wish three probably, you know, representing the '80s action canon probably more explicitly makes the case for you know. Basically, paramilitary violence against urban neighborhoods yeah. to just just clean them out, like explicitly. And you're saying these are not good values? No, I, I mean, I've, I don't. But but, you know, but that, on film, there's a certain joy. To it. But isn't, isn't, isn't that just a, a a sort of a more extreme version of the Billy Jack syndrome? Yeah, you know, kind of the, the Billy Jack syndrome up. is that you have some kid and he's eating an ice cream cone and somebody comes and sticks the ice cream cone in his face and laughs and then Billy Jack comes and beats the shit out of him <laughs> and everybody goes, yeah, <laughs> that's that that primal kind of response is yeah. that's 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 basically one of the reasons people go to the movies yeah. is to see as to feel that and to see that. And that's what the hundreds of Westerns have been based on this premise alone and then of course once they got into urban stuff it was like well now we can kill minorities that's even better <laughs> yeah um but it, it, it there's um i i guess just a need to see evil punished mm -hmm. that no matter how outlandish it is that if it's with a bazooka and he's in midair fine that's all the better in fact that's that's even that's even more exciting but the thing with billy jack i mean aside from the 45 minutes of amazing improv comedy in the middle that's of so it. bad <laughs> is have you seen billy jack oh I mean, yeah i mean that whole scene with howard hesman and those it goes on forever yeah but he's at least turning it against i mean the people who who he is actually fighting yeah they're the bad people and they want to they want to yeah, stop the they want to stop the hippie school yeah. stop the hippie school yeah, and, and, and they, they rape the woman and the you know they're bad people but, but but their position like they're not you know but they're the authorities. Yeah, they're the exactly. Law. Did he, exactly. I never saw it. Did he? I didn't see the first one, but I never saw it. Did he ever kick any senators when he went to Washington? Did he actually I've like never beat up any I, I don't. I, it's, a, it's a hard movie to sit through. Uh, <laughs> it used to be a hard movie to see. Now I it's a hard so. movie to sit through. I, uh, so. I don't. I don't remember him beating up anybody in a suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what that, I mean, that's a heck of a tease. Yeah. Billy Jack's going to Washington he's to clean got out to. all the Yeah. It's because Mr. Smith went, so he's got to go. But yeah, uh, like just, just lastly about like uh, Death Wish Three, you know, representing kind of like uh, the '80s, you know, uh, a, you know, a high crime in cities right. and just the uh, people fed up and just yeah, just the idea that 
um, just petty crime should be punishable by death and enforced by anyone with a gun at any time, anywhere. Right. But that like, was still dwindling. I mean, the thing with Death Wish, the first one that came out, it was genuinely tapping into a fear, at least people had. And, and uh, um, there was a perception of New York that was not entirely untrue at the time, that it was this terrifying place if uh -huh. you were in the wrong parts of the city after dark. And Death Wish tapped into this whole urban crime fear. But by the time you get to the 80s, that fear is starting to dissipate because... And the fact that they remade it, what, last year? They did. Oh, Matt, yeah. you saw I that. Saw it. Yeah. To no particular uh, effect, apparently. But the, the notion that in 2008, it's like if you make a list of the top 100 things Americans are terrified well, that, of right now, street, street crime, crime is yeah. not. It's, it's, well, they get wound up. The thing is, people don't realize crime's down because they get wound up by TV and stuff. But even that, they had to recognize the reality. So Because the, the, obviously, the original Death Wish took place in New York, and that wouldn't really work now. New York has as low as crime as it has had since right. the 40s. So it's in Chicago, because Chicago is the one big American city that has seen like crime kind of stay up uh, against the trend. Uh, and so he plays a surgeon, uh, or a Bruce Willis plays a surgeon. Absolutely no effort. This is Bruce Willis at his lowest effort, which is like every movie now. <laughs> like I honestly feel like every scene with him in a movie, they have to digitally replace the trailer that he was in. Because he wouldn't like even leave <laughs> to shoot a scene. I mean, he's just like checked out. So like, there's a home invasion, and his wife is killed. He goes on a killing spree, uh, and of course, it's all about how like, ooh, it's the, it's a remake, so it's about social media and people like sharing the stories on Twitter and everything. And what's really funny is is that they try to create a Greek chorus about people like debating the, the his morality, and it's with two DJs. Uh, two radio DJs, Sway, the former guy from MTV, and Man Cow. Man Cow? Yeah, Man the, the Cow, man, the right uh, wing yeah. Chicago. Shock, shock, yeah. yeah. Man Cow honestly might have more lines than Bruce Willis in this movie because <laughs> every other scene, like he shoots somebody and they cut to Man Cow going, What do we think of this guy? Do we think he's doing a good job? I don't know. I kind of think he is. Call in, let us know. <laughs> well, I got the thing with that film is, is you know, there's an entire. You know, every screenwriter I know, we all got called at least twice over the years because they've been trying to remake that forever. It's like, come on in and pitch a new Death Wish. And I know for a fact, because I've talked to other people who have done this, I am not the only one to come up with this notion. I was like, look, nobody cares about street crime anymore. People are really angry about you know banks and insurance and everything. Why not make it about a guy whose wife has died because she got fucked on her insurance? About health insurance, yeah. 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 And, he, and he goes in. So now we're talking. Now, but here's the thing. I'll tell, oh, this and as a sidebar, you know, Uwe Boll has made that movie, and it's yes. not oh, and God, it's not yes. bad. Assault on Wall Street. Assault on Wall Street with uh, with uh, uh, that guy uh, with Prison the, Break. Yeah, yeah, with Prison, Prison Break, Break guy and uh, John Hurd. Yep. Yes, it is not bad. He's been on our show. Um, you should also see Postal if you have. Oh, I've seen Postal. Okay, but um, the other thing was you'd go in and pitch that, and the last time I did, and I it was not the people who did this final version. It was several years before. They went, yeah, we really like that. We don't want to put that idea out there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the idea of a guy running around the ghetto exactly. shooting drug dealers <laughs> And then out I there. see a trailer for the new one. I'm Go like, for that. <laughs> yeah. So you're cognizant of the fact that these things are actually having some kind of impact on people. You just don't want to have that impact on them. <laughs> uh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I'm going to keep that one in the back pocket. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, you want to do our, uh, our next one here? Okay, and now... This is a movie that I uh, a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings for. This is another '80s movie. This is really the gold golden era of conservative cinema, because uh, you know it was it was really when 
the right-wing reaction was coming into full flower as like a coherent ideology and had a spokesperson in Reagan and everything. Uh, Red Dawn. What's going on here, my friend? No, this is the emergency broadcast system. We are under attack by conventional forces of the Russian army. It is believed the lead waves were disguised as commercial charter flights. Communications have broken down other parts of the country. Large areas of the Midwest may have been overrun. Oh, yeah. The original, yeah, and this is one that was, uh, you know, Milius was always very upfront, uh, you know, with his politics. Oh, but yeah. but uh, with Milius, I, someone I genuinely do respect as an artist, and like, you know, despite uh, political differences, I think he does have like a interesting it, talent and vision as a writer. Not, I mean, it's like, hard to hate him, even yeah. though, yeah. And I mean, have you have you dealt with him? I, I know John. I mean, he's, he's always been nice to me. Yeah, he's everybody knows him, <laughs> loves him. He's great. I had an office once at a. Uh, I worked on um, uh, Warlock. The Julian Sands film. Oh the yes, art department. yes, yes. And the at the the independent studio at my office had been Milius's previously, and for months I would get all of his Soldier of Fortune, Soldier of Fortune knockoff <laughs> magazines. <laughs> that was, like you get the Soldier of Fortune, you look at it's addressed to John. Bell. <laughs> it's like you know when you move into a new apartment and you keep getting like all the magazine subscriptions from the previous yeah. occupant, but they're all yeah Soldier of Fortune and guns Fort and John ammo. Millions. But here they were coming in and patching up the bullet hits. Yeah, exactly. It was amazing. Uh, but uh, Red Dawn, I think, is, um, I mean, obviously, like, the concept of it is ridiculous that, like, you know, it's some vaguely future, like, it's UN-controlled America. It's like, well, America's been weakened to such a degree that it is now at least plausible in the universe of the movie that Cuba and Nicaragua would be well, able to invade America <laughs> and, like, hold large parts of its territory and defeat In the middle the, of the country, In the too. middle of the country, yeah. Uh but like once you take that sort of leap of faith, like it's actually like a, a a really well done movie. And we were talking to our friend Nick about this, like just the the opening scene of like the world ending, right. and like the the paratroopers landing, and the kids are just in the middle of school and they don't really know what's going on. And just that opening like 15, 20 minutes of like everything falling apart yeah, is amazing. done amazingly well, and it's really really effective. But the odd thing with with Milius is I think like in in his work like he has a kind of weird respect for like the left, like not liberals, but like actual like communist armies and guerrillas. Cause he cares a lot about war and things yeah. like that. So he has this kind of he th like, you know, the, there's something macho about uh, like the actual Soviet soldiers. Yeah. And yeah. Nicaraguans like the Cuban commander is yeah. portrayed very sympathetically. And there's also like, it's all part of that thing where you, you know, you also thank the animal after you kill it. Yeah. Know, yeah. Worthy fucking adversary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but like, yeah, it's portrayal of basically a bunch of American high schoolers becoming the equivalent of like the Afghan Mujahideen and carrying out a guerrilla warfare against an, you know, imperial power. Don't get mad at me, tankies. I know, I know, of course, they're not actually imperialist, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like holding off, uh, you know, this, this much larger occupying force and, you know, but the interesting thing is like, they all die right. and like, they're pretty realistic about that. They're like, you know, if you commit to this, you know, guerrilla insurgency against some giant military power. Uh, yeah, like you and everyone you know are going to die. But like in the end of the movie, there's like, it take, like they sort of like narration after the fact, it tells you like eventually they won, but it was like years later and there's just the monument to like the the, the Wolverines, the high school kids who did it. And I, I was always very... seeing it in, in a theater and just getting hung up in that stupid way your brain does in, clearly this is happening all over the country. 
how how many people are in this invading army? Yeah, it's, it's just it doesn't it doesn't click. It just and that's a stupid thing to get hung up on in a movie like that. But it made me insane. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there. Are, if I don't think if every person in Nicaragua and Cuba and invaded came, America, yeah. they could like hold. I don't. <laughs> yeah, like well, according to Trump, they are. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I always love the like, you know other Hollywood writer Powers Booth as the, uh, yes. the fighter pilot who joins him gets shot down. Yep. Really, I always loved uh, loves his performances. Um, but also, like, there's the scene where I think the Cuban commander, like, writes a letter home to his wife, and, he, like, Milius is sort of showing, like, he doesn't really know why he's fighting there, he wishes he could go home, and there was just this kind of, like, a a reverse Vietnam thing. That well, that's what's showing. so yeah. perverse about that movie, is to, what, like, 10 years after the U.S. left Vietnam, and after Vietnam being this era-defining, you know, uh, war, to rewrite it with the Americans as the Viet Cong. That's kind of perverse. <laughs> yeah. Like that instinct to be like, yeah, we're like, you know how we were doing this to a country for a decade? We just stopped. What if it happened to us? But like not in a way that's supposed to, I don't know, indict. It's very weird. Well, he's, I mean, that war was, what would Milius be without Vietnam? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was life forming. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he regretted not going. I mean, that's a, that was his big, um, he talks about that a lot in the documentary as well, how much he wishes he could have gone. And I didn't regret not going. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say uh, the thing, uh, you know, uh, they, people people still uh, ding Trump about that, you know, his bone spurs or whatever. And I'm just like, why you get like the one relatable yeah. thing about yeah, him exactly. <laughs> welching out of Vietnam? Yeah. I mean, yeah. shit. <laughs> I, have zero I would have if that. I had a crooked podiatrist uh, <laughs> who was a family friend. <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 boggles my mind. That's and you know, right. obviously, like there's a you know a base hypocrisy in that, like he's so jingoistic or whatever. But I mean, come on, like that's again one of the few things that is relatable or human at all about him for sure. Whereas yeah. everything else, he's just like a a mutant. Like he's just unmoored <laughs> from humanity in every Shit, other I way. I feel like I had one the other day, and now I've lost it. There was something he said or did where I went. They do tend to go in and out one ear. They do. They all they're replaced by another one immediately. Well, there was that moment. I mean, we're getting way up, but I remember during during one of the first debates when Jeb Bush stood up there and said, "My brother kept us safe from terrorism," and and that reaction I always have watching that, which is "Fuck you!" No, he fucking didn't. And Donald <laughs> Trump, who I've despised since I probably first heard of him in the eighties, goes, "That's bullshit." And I'm sitting there with my wife and the two of us for half an instant are going, "Yeah." Well, oh shit! I would say, like, yeah, I would say that's the other thing is not now, obviously, because he's the leader of the Republican Party and like has like ninety percent approval rating among the Republican. Party. Yeah, he is the Republican he Party. Republican Party yeah. But at least when he was running for president, what was relatable is the utter hatred and contempt he had for every other Republican. Yeah, which, <laughs> I thought was relatable, <laughs> very relatable, and he got over on them so brilliantly yeah. in those debates. Where yeah, like what he did to Jeb and Little Marco, wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah, how do you not? Yeah, no, like yeah, my brother kept this. Yeah. Other than the worst terrorist attack in American history, yeah. he did keep us <laughs> exactly. safe from terrorism. Exactly. Yeah. That's where he would just be, where they'd have a debate and he goes, what's Ron's, what's Rand Paul still doing here? Why is he still on the stage? Uh, you know, those five people who come at us every week and say, stop talking politics, they have nothing to do with movies, are probably not going to enjoy oh, this. Oh, <laughs> well, life is politics. All movies are political. I just it's it's uh, Yeah, we have about four of those out there. In there. Well, I wish I, Joe would stop complaining about Trump. Well, well I mean, get rid of him and I'll be happy to stop complaining. <laughs> well, I mean, we're in a political moment right now where people, you know, we've talked about this on our show, people 
are really desperate to look to popular culture as a solution to politics. And I think it's making like, you know, art worse because people are, they, they want culture, whether it's like TV or music or movies, especially to uh, represent the things that politics can't achieve. And if they don't, or they don't line up exactly with a, the, the, you know, a political point of view, then like they become, you know, bad or wrong in some way. And it becomes like harder and harder to just like, have art be kind of complicated or speak to like various different parts of the human experience, you know, like, well, it's the whole PC thing, you know, yeah. the comedians who can't do their jokes anymore and, you know, however nobody's tolerant of anything. And, you know, like similar to the conservapedia thing where people find a movie they like and then reverse engineer, like, Oh, Chinatown is actually yeah. right wing because of the <laughs> joke he tells in the movie. I mean, I think people do that a lot with, you know, with pop, pop culture from a sure. liberal perspective where sure, it's just yeah. like, well, we're recording this just because it will be a few weeks and the whole thing will be over by then. But we're recording this a couple of days after. I, this drives me insane. A whole slew of, of you know, liberals on Twitter have lost their minds over what happened on Game of Thrones. Oh, oh my, my God. As oh. Though, okay, do, you, do you watch the show? Trevor? I do watch you Game do. of Thrones. <laughs> As though they haven't been laying that in from probably her first appearance. But, no, that's a perfect example of what Will's talking about. Like for the people who really like Game of Thrones at a certain point, like the they they need their entertainment to accord to their politics because that is what right. their politics are, and so that means that over time they will convince themselves that anything that they like is good politically, and so they just convince themselves, well, Game of Thrones is good because I like it, and that's good because of Daenerys, she's like a, a female empowerment figure, and so then she burns the whole entire town, <laughs> and everyone just loses it because like their relationship with this character is like they they're they're standing in for their entire political views. And then the show just says, yeah, what if it's not as, you know, uh, what if she's not as much of an empowered figure as a, like a, a maniacal power seeker? Well, no, the thing is, like, what if, she she what if she's complicated? Power. <laughs> but no, it's like she's empowered in the sense that she is like the scion of some insane ruling dynasty, right. which maybe is, or maybe, you know, complicated in how good that is. It's to like, begin I with. think we kind of had settled for a while now. That's not how you pick a leader. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a blood right and, and a WMD should not be what makes you be a person in charge. Um, but I can't. Uh, yeah, I've been getting so much joy watching people lose their minds. Oh, it's great. It's, um, because, but, but also because, like, so many people, like, through you know the internet and sort of meme culture or whatever, has basically made Daenerys a stand-in for Hillary Clinton. Yes. Almost so much that they've convinced themselves that the character is based on her, right. and that the character doing something evil is an attack on Hillary Clinton and therefore their personal politics. Yeah. Right. And. It is this very odd relationship with media now that's being, you know, sort of recreated from the liberal side of the spectrum that is very similar to how, like, you know, evangelical Christians and, like, the sort of moral majority panic about uh, violence in movies and media or gangster rap or whatever, where it's just your relationship to culture is like, do you like it? depends on the extent to which it reflects back to you perfectly your own values through obvious ham-fisted signifiers and if it doesn't then that is like it's bad wrong the enemy you know to be shunned or feared or condemned if you're the catholic church yeah. <laughs> which is yeah i think there's something always been a little bit depraved or maybe it's the kind of stuff my dad took me to but but i i, I like nothing more than being made uncomfortable by a movie just that's what I'm happiest. That's why. That's why he does this show. <laughs> that's why I do this show. Exactly. Right. Well, I mean, like to, you know, to to these these movies that we're talking about. I mean, there is a certain. I I, I like seeing um, 
insane right wing politics in movies because the right wing is funny. I mean, <laughs> and even if the movie takes itself seriously, it's like even funnier that way because you're seeing a a ludicrous point of view, but like it's sincere in a way. So it's always funnier when it's sincere rather than kind of winking at the audience. Which brings us to our, our next film, which is uh, also sincerely insane. This is uh, an action movie that really, you know, of recent vintage. It was, what, was in the last 10 years or so? It was like five, six 2006 or seven. Yeah. Um, that really uh, recreated like the whole 80s fascist action movie thing. But, in, but it also created a new genre of action movie called like the, da- the, the dad action movie, where sort of older actors now play... I think you know where I'm going with this. Taken, starring Lisa ne- Liam Neeson. Dad! Oh, my darling. Happy birthday. Dad, guess what? Mm-hmm. You know my friend Amanda? Yep. Her cousins asked us to spend vacation with them in Paris. I really, really want to go. Hi, Daddy. You were supposed to call me when you left. There's someone here. What? Oh, my God, they got Amanda. <laughs> All right, listen to me. Go to the next bedroom, under the bed. Tell me when you're there. Now, the next part is very important. They're going to take you. Sorry, Taken, a movie about a dad... With a particular set of skills. With a particular set of skills who goes beast mode to protect the virginity of his daughter. Not just her virginity, but her virginity from swarthy people. Her virginity from, what is it, Albanian gangsters, French people, and then finally the final boss of the movie are just (laughs) greedy Arab oil sheiks. (laughs) The literal virgin auction at the end of that movie. When I first saw that movie... And the, the, the auction happened. Yeah. I was just delirious. I was like, I cannot believe they made this movie. <laughs> but yes. yeah, it's like, it's the CIA, the CIA dad with a particular set of skills who takes them to France to uh, attack the sort of, you know, the French values right, and their weak up. judicial system, their weak uh, judicial that protects. That's why we have freedom fries. Albanian uh, sex trafficking gangs. Yeah, because remember, he finds out that his counterpart in the French intelligence is corrupt. Ah, uh-huh. yes, of and course. he's covering up for them. So like the, the, French, the French state is corrupt and decadent. <laughs> yeah. And it allows yeah. in these foreigners to And he's shocked and children. disgusted to find that out. Yeah, and sells them to, to Arab oil sheiks. Um... I know, but what I mean is it it's it it was a, a throwback to the '80s action genre of you know like a man with his fists and guns just you know taking on the scum. Well, it's also a death wish. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Fahrenheit. And it does have that moment. Like I don't care where I don't care how. I mean, just the scene where he shoots the guy in front of his wife is fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those scenes where you, you cheer, and then as you calm down, you just feel as awful as you are for having cheered <laughs> at that point. Um. But yeah, it's a movie is literally a, a race against the clock to stop his daughter from being deflowered by swarthy foreigners. Yeah. I mean, it's like almost, you know, a birth of a nation. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but um, but what I like about Taken is it it also created a kind of new genre of the of the dad action that provides a kind of the the older gentleman star of a previous era, like a, a new chance, like like Denzel with the Equalizer movies. Yes, it's yes, like dad yes. action, where like the dads of America now have a hero that they can, you they know, someone all, who they're all masters of very obscure martial art where you don't have to move, right? Where they come to you, <laughs> well, like and then you do three moves, and then they're 
That's like the equalizer is all just. He just takes uh, a like Washington, someone, just, just a guy coming towards Denzel Washington, just going, knocking him down. No, it's like a, like a guy like who puts a gun like straight in his forehead, and then he, he just, just like turns smirks to the left. and just like like does something with his head, and just immediately turns it around on him. But yeah. do not try that in real life. It's funny you say it because that's how I've seen those films too. But but as as you mentioned at the beginning, I mean Charlton Heston, Charlton Heston, Charles Bronson, Bronson. was in sixties. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, was doing that. Clint Eastwood was doing Dirty Harry movies well into his, mm-hmm. you know. Older years, so it's not. But but there does seem to be something new about this current yeah. iteration. Of I'm trying to think of who else has done it. Uh, there have been a number of them. Uh, I think there was an Ethan Hawke one. Yes, there was a. Yeah. Uh, I think a Costner one. There is a Costner one. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so. then there's the Expendables. And the, oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the the action hero as a guy. He just wants to. He wants to barbecue. And you know, drive a, a pickup truck yeah. or you know, watch some f- sports. But if you wrong him, then it's just all that goes out the window. It's beast mode 100%. Yeah. It's what every American like dad thinks would happen if something he's like, <laughs> Oh, it's her daughter, dude. I fucking, I fucking wish you would kidnap my daughter. <laughs> like, if then somebody, you'll see what <laughs> like if someone tried to rob this Whole Foods right now, I swear to God, <laughs> I would, I would tactically engage their wrist and then I would bring it downward. Out of my uh, out of my shin, and then palm right into the nose. Yeah, drive the uh, drive bone the brain, right into the brain. Drive the nose bone into the brain. But that is the thing that that I, I uh, you guys pointed on the show a while ago and got me to. I can't remember which one I watched, and it was a big mistake. And I, I I want you to recommend a better one. But but Steven Seagal for the last ten years, all of his fights are done basically in chairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, well, he can hardly move. He can hardly move. <laughs> yeah, he's just this 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 blob of a man. But he still carries himself that way, and then somehow they find ways to get him into fights. But but uh, there are some good ones. I understand. Is that correct? Uh, well, no, I mean, no, they're all awful. <laughs> oh no, they're terrible. <laughs> they're but like, but they're whole. I mean, they're hilarious if you want to like. I mean, they're fun watches, yeah, yeah, but I mean, they're all terrible. Is the Mike like, Tyson one worth? Uh, I haven't seen the Mike Tyson one. Yeah, was we it the keep one saying we're going to say? watch it. Was like, it. We keep uh, it was like the Mercenary, a Good Man. Yeah. Uh, There's the sci-fi one where he's uh, twin dictators. Well, and a lot of these movies, like he'll have a sidekick who's a much younger, like martial arts guy who does most of the actual fighting, right? And then, yeah, Seagal will show up to just sort of lazily flail his arms about. <laughs> to deliver seen, the finishing move. Have you seen the um, the clip of him? He was at a martial arts expo in Russia. Vic Berger did an edit of it that is so hilarious. If you like, This is the most flagrant flopping I have ever seen in my life by his opponents. Like, yeah, this yeah. is supposed to be him showing his Aikido mastery. So this swarm of, of Russian guys come after him. And he just knocks them down one after another. But it's just, it's like faith healing. Like <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Benny Hayes. Yes. And he waves at him a little bit. They just do like, they're just putting into these huge flips to go to the pavement when, or to the, to the padding when he's just waving his hands in front of them. And, uh, and, and Vic, uh, uh, captures really well because he finds these little like hidden reactions and moments that he zooms in on. He <laughs> yes. finds these two teenage girls in the crowd who are watching it and just like, trying to stop laughing openly <laughs> as these guys, yeah, like hilariously flop, like Benny Hinn hitting them with a jacket yeah. in a stadium full of people. <laughs> oh, man. Definitely, yes, it's a great video. Worth worth looking for, folks. All right. Uh, all right, which one do you want to do next? you want to do... Uh, let's what? do... Let's talk about, you want to talk about Craig Zoller? Sure. Oh. Well, Craig Zoller is, is new a guy... One yeah, the, the new one? Well, I, I, I've seen Dragged Across Concrete. I've seen all of his movies now. Um, and Craig Zeller is a guy, I think like, I don't, I mean, 
I'm not sure. I mean, at, at the, from his movies, I think it's pretty clear to me that he has pretty reactionary politics. That's, or, that's, that's the story. At the, that's the story. But the, he also <laughs> seems to be, they, they seem to be kind of teasing it in a way yeah. that is. Well, maybe he's lot. got a sense of humor about it. Yeah, he does, yeah. and I think he's also a really talented writer. Like he yeah. has like like the moments of dialogue and like Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine that are are really good. And he's also like the his movies are very kind of like stately and withholding and like how long they kind of like patient and sort of quiet they are until they really take you there at the end. And yeah. when they really do, it's like indescribable. Like the end of Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine yeah. yeah. are jaw-dropping in terms of like the violence and but, like but there's that weird shoot out at the end of the new one which it, it felt like the, the have you seen uh, no, I haven't, I've I, heard about it it's 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 way too long yeah and and the gag is what if you did a shootout where people sort of didn't shoot at each other for long periods of time and you did it all in real time and it just sort of what's the word drags yeah uh, yeah <laughs> so there it's so yeah, Dragged Across Concrete. I was really looking forward to, and it was like, I like a lot of it. it I, I liked a lot of it, but it, it had like the same kind of very quiet, patient, withholding thing throughout of it. But at the end, I didn't think it talk, took you to the same kind of like really cranked up to 11 place that the other two movies did. Yeah. But like, but at the same time, I sort of admired just kind of how squalid and nasty he makes everything <laughs> mm -hmm. all that like you're even kind of boring in a way like it's you, you think it should be some like you know big exciting moment like a bank robbery or a shootout but it's just kind of terrible and and miserable in a way so i kind of kind of respect that but a like, metaphor for our times yeah yeah but you know even like and it doesn't go where you think it's gonna yeah. go and the ending doesn't quite jibe with the trumpian yeah, not really, but like he does, like you know, give voice to a kind of Blue Lives well, Matter. There's like uh, there's a crazy yeah. film where all uh, the the two leads and Don Johnson just basically sit around and complain about how cell phones have ruined policing. Yeah, how possible yeah. it is to be a cop when everyone can see you beating the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but even in like in Bone Tomahawk, what is it? The who's the who, um, the Matthew the guy from Lost? What's his name? Oh, Jeff Fox. Yeah, Matthew Fox. Like his character sort of gives voice in a way that's like kind of authentic to a kind of like white man's violence yeah. that is like not entirely uh, like it's not like the director is like condemning it entirely right like if, right. At, if at all which is like it's interesting and it like makes sense within the world of that movie but it makes you because like you know 19th century frontier violence but at the same time it's sort of like you you, you wonder how much of the director you're, you're you're hearing through right through this but at the same time i find him a really fascinating and, and interesting filmmaker. And I, yeah, I, I'd like to, I mean, like I said, I thought Dragged Across Concrete, I didn't like as much as the first two, but he's definitely a guy who's like, I will see the next movie he does for sure. Well, there's a whole, the, the producer, one of the producers on that has been doing kind of movies like that too in that vein. I, I just saw a film called Standoff at Sparrow Creek, which is a oh, really yeah. tight little thriller and really, really engaging. But one of those things where it, I found it finally impossible to set aside my issues because it's about a bunch of guys in a right-wing militia uh, who are trying to figure out who stole the gun that someone just used to slaughter a whole bunch of people as as the cops are descending on them. And it's well-written and well-directed, and it's it's set in a dark warehouse, and it's a really, you know interesting for so many reasons. But at the end, you're just like, when are the cops going to get here and shoot these guys? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I'm, I'm a huge fan of movies that you know give voice to people who don't normally have a voice in film, which I don't normally think of as a bunch of white guys. But 
you don't see guys like this in movies usually. It, it's worth checking out. And no, I, 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 I took note of that. I think that's on on, on my queue somewhere. So okay, finally. Oh, and I should also he did. Oh, I've not seen. Uh, um, didn't he? He wrote the last Puppet Master movie, which is apparently about little Nazi dolls. Um, Zoller did. Oh, oh really? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember I read a review of that. <clears throat> they flip it because originally the Puppet Masters, they're anti-Nazis. Right. And they switched it, and now the, the puppets are Nazis. The original Puppet Master, the puppets for Puppet Master were Antifa. <laughs> they were they epic were, gritty. No, they, no they, were like, they were doing revenge for, I think it was like the guy who made him was like a Jew during the Holocaust, and like they went off to kill the guys who were responsible for his death. But this one, they're now the the puppets are Nazis, which honestly kind of makes more sense. <laughs> like little knife-handed puppets should probably be Nazis, like just to keep things thematically clean. So uh, finally, you know, uh, on our list here, we couldn't couldn't let it pass without you know talking about the the granddaddy of uh, of them all, Clint Eastwood, and you know this one again, not a good movie, but certainly a hilarious and entertaining movie. Uh, Gran Torino. Dad, you worked hard your whole life. Maybe it's time you started thinking about taking it easier. These places are nothing like what you'd think they'd be. They're great. Kicking us out on his birthday. I told you this was a bad idea. What the hell these Chinese have to move in this neighborhood for? Dorothy mentioned specifically that it was her desire for you to go to confession. And I confess that I have no desire to confess to a boy that's just out of the seminary. Oh, I thought you were going. Oh, oh Dirty yeah. Harry, or I mean, I mean, like Dirty Harry—that's the original kind of, you know, fascist masterpiece. I love Don Siegel, yep. and then again, looking at these like lists of like, oh, what are right-wing movies? Invasion of the Body Snatchers comes up because it's interpreted as kind of like an anti-communist parable. Oh, but it's I mean, awesome. It's like probably one of my favorite movies an anti, of all, anti-conformity, anti like American yeah. kind of thing. Like, there's a lot of. But the thing, the thing with Dirty Harry. In fact, I, I talked about this in my commentary. The original trailers for it, and when you listen to them talk about it. They went to market with a movie that they thought was about an insane man stopping an insane man. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is a story of two crazy killers. This is the first trailer. Yeah. And then it hit and they changed the trailers to like, this is the story of a superhero stopping a, you know, and they, they. No, in the original story, it is, they are, they're, uh, they're put on the same level. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's and really in movie, interesting. Even in the movie. I mean, yeah. when you watch the, as as a piece of work, yeah, uh, the, kind of divorcing it from all of its cultural yeah. context. But then it's once not once it became the, a hit, all of a sudden the, the paradigm changed, and now you can't look at the picture the way it originally yeah. was. But I mean, but, uh, but Gran Torino is nothing. But. Yeah, Don Siegel is like yeah, one of my favorite favorite filmmakers, and I lo I love the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and I love Dirty Harry too. But yeah, Gran Torino because it is Clint Eastwood both you know directing and starring in it. As a kind of uh, career, another career capping role for him. That is, he does one every year. Yeah, and I just I on the flight out here. I just watched The Mule on the way over here, but um, just a movie of an old man saying racial slurs for about two hours. It's, it's, a, get, it's a get off my lawn movie. Yeah, I, he says that doesn't? Isn't there an actual? Oh yeah, 
He says, get off my lawn. And then, <laughs> and it's him. Um, it's a relationship between him and his um, Hamong neighbor, Hamong who's like yes. a, just a, a weak little sissy that he has to, to man up. And it's him um, just bullying this kid, but also, you know, falling in love with him in a way. Well, there's a line. I actually, my, my, cause you walk into that movie sort of accepting certain things. The, the thing that made me crazy about it is how it felt very first draft. And, oh, yeah. And so, but there's a scene where he actually, remember, he's at the party that they're having. Mm -hmm. And it's established that he has a terrible relationship with his kids. And he walks into the bathroom and he looks at the mirror and he says to himself, I have more in common with these crazy Vietnamese than my own goddamn family. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's like the the last holdout in the old neighborhood in right. Detroit. That's you know, seen this influx of uh, Hmong uh, immigrants, and you know, of course, he's like, these, I killed them over in Korea to have them move over here. And so you think it's this, this culture clash between them, but like the movie is is weird because it's funny because it ends up being sort of like pro-immigration tapestry of America, but only insofar as he realizes the Hmong immigrants are, are reverential to elderly people and treat them uh, respectfully, unlike his spoiled, rotten, stupid grandkids <laughs> who are just shitty American brats. Uh, like uh, He catches his granddaughter smoking pot, and then she's like, oh, cool, can I have your car, Grandpa, when you die? And he's like, get the fuck out of here, you little whore. And uh, this used to be described as old man's movies. Yeah. <laughs> but there's an interesting thing with him that's always there where there's his overt politics and then there's a sort of weird seeping in of almost his kind of natural instincts towards, I think that's why we can still like him. Yeah. It's like there's a better person in yeah. there. When he's not thinking about politics, <laughs> he's not bad. It's just when he goes, oh yeah, they, oh, I'm this guy. Addressing, uh, addressing the chair. Um but uh, yeah, then also there's a there's a hilarious scene like the more of the uh, racial politics in the movie is a scene where the uh, the the teenage girl who's the older sister is sort of like being walked home by this like like white guy who's like a wannabe like rapper like backwards baseball hat kind of dude and then they get accosted by like some uh, some black guys who are like just you know uh, harassing her and like you know intimidating the guy and then he gets out of the pickup truck and just pulls a gun on them and then the white guy's like. Yo, bro, like, thanks, man. He goes, shut the fuck up, pussy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then the best part of all in Gran Torino is the song at the end of it. Whereas the ending credits, yes, right? as the end credits yeah. roll, Clint Eastwood sings an original composition called Gran Torino. Any movie in which the end credits have a song that tells you what the movie was yep. about, that says the name of the movie. That's true is wonderful to me. <laughs> so yep. at the end of Gran Torino when those credits roll and then you just hear like a sort of jazzy soft tune and then you hear, in my Gran Torino. That, that puts it in the same category technically as movies like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> and Monster Squad. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. Adam's yes. Family Values. Yes. Adam's, whoop, Adam's Family Values. Whoop, Adam's there it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, no, and then I said on the on the on the plane ride out here, I did see, I did watch The Mule, his most recent film, and there is a sad old man song at the end of that movie. It's another sad old man movie. Right. Unfortunately, it's not sung by Clint Eastwood, and it's and, not about, and, and the word "the mule" yeah, is never said in it, which very much disappointed me. It's just so I kind of rhyme with that. mule. You're just. Cool. It's a movie about cool. driving a car, so yeah. you could do a lot yeah, with you that. Could. I didn't. I kind of weirdly, I feel like. 
uh, Clint has just made a lot of movies in the last 10 years that like every now and then one's pretty good and the rest I just can't stand it. The Mule was the first one he's made in a long time that I was like, that's all right. I actually, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was like, it wasn't like a, like a fully torqued thriller about a yeah. guy smuggling drugs, but it was kind of like a quiet, interesting character study yeah. that I, that I sort of, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of sweet. Have you seen it, Joe? Yes. Did you like it? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's sort of similar to the Robert Redford movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, in that in that um, getting on old in man years with a gun kind of yeah. Which actually, I love that. Actually, there's that one moment where they use just one brief shot of 25 year old Bob for another movie, and you just if you aren't like bursting into tears at that point, you're inhuman. <laughs> but that's that's a lovely film. No it's Jack just... no Jack Webb movies on your list. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I like Jack Webb. Yeah. I mean, what were his movies? Though? Well, the, oh, the DI, the DI yeah. is, the, is the one when we were in when oh, we were, drill instructor. When we were yeah. in school, I mean, everybody was terrified of going to Vietnam and all that, and and the DI would come on, and he's like, he's like making them look for sand fleas, and st- I mean, he he was he is so awful to these this young recruit, who because he's toughening him up, you see, and then he has a scene with his mother where the mother says, oh, "It's a good thing what you're doing to my son." And to us, it looks like he's just torturing. Him, you know? uh, and and Webb is 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 Webb. I mean, you know, he's his his persona in real life apparently was somewhat similar. Uh, and he was a good director. Uh, you, you can't tell from the Dragnet shows, which are essentially just the same shot over and over. Um, but uh, Pete Kelly's Blues, which is a picture yes. he did for Warner Brothers in the fifties, is is a really pretty. He like he was into jazz, and it's a, it, one of the best jazz movies. He was really an interesting guy. And then he did a UFO series, um, a Project Blue Book kind of a thing. Um, really? Which, yeah, which started out to be to be a debunk series, and then it turned into a, well, maybe series. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's good enough for Jack Webb, I'm going to have to start thinking. Uh, well, Pete Kelly also has one of my favorite lines of all time. They're talking about the guy. I go, he's, uh, uh, they're talking about what a thief this guy is. And they, they say he has rubber pockets so he can steal soup. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, Richard Breen, I think, wrote that. Richard Breen, yeah. Um, that's right. What is the thing? I just saw something at the Noir Fest where it's him and Harry Morgan together, but they're playing hoodlums. They murder a guy. Harry Morgan was his partner on Dragnet yeah. for, for many years, but I, I can't. Was it? Um, what the hell? Wasn't was the it? big clock? Wasn't the no, killers? No, no. Was it? Was it not? He? What the hell was it? Why is it on here? Oh well, this is really thrilling. Well, we'll, we'll, cut, we'll cut this part. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely cut this part. The Oh Dark City. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're bad guys. They're murderers, but uh, but they're partners. So that's that's your uh... yeah. That's our that's our that's our that's our rundown of our favorite. And I'm, um, I'm a little, the the Red Dawn. I thought I was like they're not gonna do Red Dawn. That that one's that one's everybody's gonna. Uh, yeah, okay. But but you got to do Red Dawn. Like, do, well, how, I, did I you, think you have to do Red Dawn. It, it got remade, didn't it? it yes, did. it, did. it, did. it, it got remade. It was, it was, remember it was it. originally supposed to be China. But then, because they didn't want to mess up with the Asian exactly parties. right, they, they went back and changed. What did they make? And changed the symbols. Yes, the they had to digitally change the flags. flags. Yes, to North Korea. North Korea. Okay, a, a plausible. Well, obviously, not realizing how what big friends we were going to be with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's just. I, did you I see mean, it? I don't know. I mean, I don't oh, know. Yeah, I saw the remake. If that's more or less plausible than the populations of Gua- of Nicaragua and Cuba invading <laughs> yeah. the West. The population of this time, though, they, it works because they have an EMP. That's oh, right. why they're able to uh, invade the United States. Oh, they okay. also but I think ultimately that picture was hardly distributed. No, it really did. They got barely. That's right, Chris Hemsworth. It got like uh, kicked back. Yeah, I, I think it ended up being held back a bit too. Yeah. Wow. Wait, Tom Cruise's kid is in it. Yes. 
And I guess the other uh, obvious choice we, uh, could, we could have done, we didn't talk about it, but uh, the other one that definitely come up forefront of mind is uh, Straw Dogs, Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs. And also, a picture that's also needlessly remade. Yes, yes. it was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, but that kind of like you know, I, I, a liberal wimp uh, realizes you know what a wimp he is. Yeah, but there's so many. I don't know. I'm, like, I'm obsessed because there's so many layers to that character and yeah. to what Peck and Paws. That's why know. I didn't put it on because it's like it's very hard to. Because he's also deeply misogynist, the oh, character, yeah. and it's kind of a dissection of that and fragile male ego, and it becomes this whole like. You know what? What yeah, the thing I love about it is you never know quite where it lands on the spectrum. And but it's just overall a very nasty movie. It's a really like, nasty it's a really film. Nasty it's a really it's an and, unpleasant, movie. very unpleasant. And I think yeah. it speaks deeply. And I think half of it is unconscious. It speaks some deeply uncomfortable things about sort of the male ego, at least of a certain time in the world, because you know what he's reacting to is is sort of that deep seated fear that you know sort of is buried at the heart of so much of male sexuality that our women are going to give their things to better looking men. <laughs> and that makes us crazy. You know, not me, but every other <laughs> Because there are no better looking men. That's exactly right. But uh, yeah, no, we could do a whole episode on how warped and fucked up straw dogs. Well, these guys flew all the way yeah. to do our show. They did. Well, no, to do your show. Our show. Well, no, they're, they're doing tomorrow. They're not, yeah. they, they're just doing this as a favor. Well, no, as a, they're paying us back. <laughs> Paying it forward. Paying it forward. Another but, reactionary movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great show. Something was wrong. I saw a, a screen or a screening of Pay It Forward before it came out, and it was the weirdest thing because I knew I was in the presence of a genuinely bad film. Anything with Haley Joel Osment. And it may have been. It may have been that it was early in the morning, and I'm deep, but it's like not. I, I was like, this is fucking horrible. And by the end of it, I'm in tears. <laughs> Pay It Forward is reactionary for because. I'm pulling this one straight out of my ass just off the top of my go, head. Go, Pay it go. forward, uh, right-wing movie, because it essentially posits that um, individual charity and, and goodwill is the solution to social problems. There, there you go. go. Boom. Exactly. Done. Well done. Also, uh, public, schools, <laughs> public schools are uh, violent crime nightmares. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, controlled <laughs> yeah, by turning yeah. them private. <laughs> also, Kevin Spacey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Public Who? schools have Kevin Spacey. Who's that teaching your kids? Well, we, don't, we don't say that name anymore. Oh, I say, yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's a non-person. Christopher Plummer. I said Christopher Plummer. <laughs> uh, anyway, guys, thank you. Or did you? Did you have something? We just uh, no. I never. Uh, I, just, I just kip it. Okay, gentlemen. Thank you Thanks, so much guys. for joining. Oh, thank us. you so much for having thank us. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, next time you're in town, come back. Bring Absolutely. bring some of your compadres. Yeah. Uh, I was thrilled to find out that uh, that that Amber was a big. Uh, we were talking the other night, and she's a huge Altman fan, apparently. And, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Long goodbye, and also a huge Gremlins two fan. So uh, yeah, that's right. She will be there yeah. tomorrow. Okay. Well, you'll meet Amber. Um, but uh, thank you so much. This is a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -ch
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.